I think I was surprised this week. What were you surprised by in the fucking... I was, I was surprised by a lot of things. There were some things in my life that happened. There were a few things, you know, that went really right. There were a few things that went very wrong. Uh, there was a whole lot of having to improvise a few things on the fly and, you know, just get it done really quickly. And that was all surprising, mostly in a good way. And then I watched Aramanga Sensei, right? As I was promising uh, that we would do. And eventually we are we are also going to watch Interspecies Reviewers. Uh, it's going to yeah, get yeah. a whole Back episode the way I that... I want to uh, see if you physically die during that one. I want to know what is left of my... I think you may have the worst package of traits to enter Interspecies Reviewers with. I mean, I definitely did the first time we tried. Sane, ace... Above a rock's intelligence. It's not a good package. I don't think sane people should watch that show. You know how they say that, like, being adjusted to an ill society is not healthy? Or how does it go? It's, it's... I'm sure there is a very jokerific quote in that vein. I personally think the property has its place in the same vein that they used to loop certain thrash metal songs to interrogate people. <laughs> they'd use my favorite band in fact <laughs> which is a nice touch so i think that the next time we have some captured pretty much someone else's freedom fighters next time we capture some of them we can really use interspecies reviewers to loosen up some lips but you know what we can't use we can't use the subject of today's episode aramanga sensei because mostly their eyes are just going to be wandering for 75 percent of it and then they're just going to feel kind of fucking weird for the other 25 percent that is the surprising thing about Aramanga Sensei. See, I went into Aramanga Sensei thinking that I'd be so fucking disgusted by it that I wouldn't get five minutes into the first episode, which was very much the case for interspecies reviewers. But here I am. You fucking tapped. You know, about halfway through the uh, halfway through the series now. And I don't even have to begin to talk about how fucking morally repugnant this show is. Let's say how much of a problem it is. Just the uh, the oh oh but the I fetishization do. of you know children and incest and such. I like I I you know it. I know it. I don't even need to begin. That's that's just a fucking given right there. It's gross. I don't know if everyone knows it. I'm actually going to play the little context game because this show is just old enough. I want to peg it. I don't remember what year it was. Somewhere between sixteen and eighteen. It was 16, because that year sucked. Because that year sucked. But it's just old enough that you might have memory-holed it and just put a little bit more of the decay of democracy or your favorite celebrity spat in its place in your memory. So I want to just wind us back. Once more with feeling. Its creator made previously one of the more, I guess, sort of flash-in-the-pan show, a less transgressive version of the same theme called Oremo, which was another program about a man filled with a furious lust and no other drive in his life but to fuck his little sister. And I suppose if Oremo was Terminator for this thriving subgenre, Aeromanga Sensei is Terminator 2, really just stripping out a lot of the not-weeaboo bullshit or not-fucking-your-sister elements of the creation and just cramming in extra sister-fucking. This was the show that drove Gigak insane, uh, near as I can tell. I believe that this is the mutagen that turned Gigak from sunglasses Albert Wesker to magma writhing mass of tentacles Albert Wesker, yes. <laughs> it was quite... Complete global saturation. The man was never quite the same. Do we have a show where we changed? Was it Aeromanga Sensei or was that just part of the journey? No, no, I definitely, I think in a very small, quiet way, it was Interspecies Reviewers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, man. Just, I didn't even want to dunk on that show. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to keep thinking about it. I just wanted, I, I barely even wanted to mention it. It didn't even deserve to be mentioned. I just wanted to be over and done with it as fast as I possibly could. I think this one I might have changed a little. 
not even in the supreme trauma kind of way, but more in... Here's a reference, actually, within the anime pool for once. Mm-hmm. Just when they when someone meets God in Full Metal Alchemist, and it's just this distant, dicky child with your family's body parts. And you look down at the situation and see, ah, so this is what this life means. Uh, so here's here's this really fun thing about truth in Full Metal Alchemist is that it it shares the personality of the person meeting it towards Edge, right? It's kind of temperamental and you know, kind of shitty, like not not cruel, but just you know, kind of shitty. Towards Al, it's actually fairly empathetic, uh, and then when Father meets it, it's uh just horribly cruel and vindictive. So if the main character of Arrow Manga Sensei met Truth. Truth would be it would try to molest him. hunched over his sister, who is also a part of the Godhead. So, something to that effect, yes. Anyway, something I sort of left out of my sort of summary of fucking Aromaga Sensei here is that it is also deeply embedded in writing about writers TM, which just does not have a great track record with uh, with people named Denard. <laughs> I think unless. Your name is fucking Vladimir Navikov. The two topics you should not write about are writing about writers and fucking a younger person within your family. And this show does both of them. You probably just... (laughs) Just assume that you're not talented enough to make it work. It's just a really healthy thing to believe about yourself is just just repeat to yourself every time you have the uh, inclination to write a story uh, about a writer who also wants to fuck his younger relative just repeat to yourself i'm not smart or funny enough to make this work i should try writing something else and you will live a longer life you live a healthy life you'll never have a young jamaican american man just sort of carving your name into his wall like a fucking death note or serial killers hitless it will just lift your spirits so obviously this show is bad yeah it's bad and if i could just get one more real sort of broad swipe at this yeah go for specifics. it because I, I'm, that's what I'm really here for. I'm really here to just give you some juicy pole quotes so you go to the playground it's, it's, and say... These fucking hot takes. If you want real insight, I don't listen to the blonde dude. <laughs> I like to call Arrow Manga Sensei the reverse Gorin Lagan. <laughs> because each episode, I sort of think they've pushed the elements as far as they go. And then in the next one... I am proven wrong and disappointed again. <laughs> yes. I would say that it has peaks and valleys, and its peaks are less um, moments of actual quality than they are more just uh, plateaus, really. Just moments where it's boring and I'm not paying that much attention. That is the most that this show is able to achieve, Is uh, is it bores me. Whatever it is boring me, that is Aramanga Sensei at its best. And truth be told, it's about 75% of the time or so. It is boring for vast swaths of time. However, to say that it's boring 75% of the time is a sort of ignore this thing's version of the jump scare, which is the 12-year-old stick panty shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not like they save, you know, the panty shots for the last quarter of the episode or so. That that whole 25% is kind of peppered in throughout the runtime of a given episode. Uh, so you never know when and where it's going to fucking strike. But every now and again, you're going to have to see a fucking annoying 12-year-old elf chick who dresses like Princess Peach, you know playing piano naked or, you know, getting a phone call from some other obnoxious 12-year-old girl who's currently taking a bath. I know shows have a gaze, a male gaze, a female gaze, and you can use it to your advantage or disadvantage. And I'm almost as someone facing a fellow boxer, as a critic facing this show, I am almost forced to admire its dedication to... 12-year-old Gooch on a physical level, like, (laughs) just the loving rendition of full... Not loving, but just consistent attention. Just every shot, no matter what they're actually talking about or doing, 
We'll just start at the feet and work up. I'm not so impressed. Because it's so fucking easy to do. Most of the time, these these shots are barely animated. They know who they're playing to. Oh, it's easy technically. It's easy to take a red stone and ten people you don't care about and sacrifice them to the fucking Behelit. It's hard to take an animation studio of people with hopes and dreams and give them nothing else, nothing but Kitty Gooch. I would love to actually see, like, the numbers that were run on this show before it was greenlit. When, you know, it's just a couple of TV execs in a conference room in some unnamed, you know, office building in Tokyo or wherever the hell this was made. I think it's in the Underdark somewhere. Like, I think Matron Bayenre's in there. Running the numbers on how many pedophiles there are <laughs> who watch anime, who would watch this, who they can sell ad space for. Because that's why this show exists, is, you know, to get pedophiles to watch it there so is, that they can sell ad space. There is a second reason this could exist. I mean, to get fucking ironic fucking weebs to watch i mean they succeeded simple an animator wants to live forever in a kingdom of his own design and he seals all of his friends in the studio making arrow manga sensei using a red gem (laughs) (laughs) and the fucking key animator armless screams (laughs) <laughs> as the director is forced to approve 400,000 frames of Kid Gooch. <laughs> and the point is that when I was watching Arrow Mega Sensei, all I could keep on thinking was, you never finished reading Berserk. <laughs> you call yourself a weep. And here you are watching this instead of getting to the part of Berserk with the fucking boat. See, my reaction to that was um, something I can do. Well, how, would I, how would I exactly put it? It was um, I was expecting this show to break me. I think I've already mentioned that a little bit before. I was expecting Aramanga Sensei to break me. And after, you know, halfway through the series, all I can think, all I can say is, is that the best you fucking got you think i haven't watched trash before you're gonna bore the shit out of me for most of this episode and then fucking show me kid gooch i want to zoom in on the scenario here for a second Mm -hmm. just to uh, lay a bit more context before i just go back to the sort of list of burners in the back of my head but a specific part of the framing is that these two kids are like I know, on their own orphaned, whatever. He was introduced to her as his adoptive little sister, not related by blood. They use the word. They say it three times in the opening episode, almost as if to stencil it on their foreheads and say, you can't stop us. We're invincible now. We have we have cast the ward of invincibility. Just a whole fuck ton, as as though the fact that um she's 12 has uh, has basically no bearing on any of this. And as I repeated, I think, okay, thank you, Johnny Cochran. All of them are 12, by the way. <laughs> so he hasn't, his, his sister becomes a Hikikomori, and because our main character is actually a terrible person who should be flayed and sent to CPS, he just sort of lets that proceed. And he supports himself, I, we are expected to believe, as a porn author on the writing end, because that's where the real fucking talent in fucking porn comics is right, but whatever. I think half of those are just made by artists winging it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. And he has an anonymous partner in crafting porn named Aeromanga Sensei, who everyone assumes is some older, pervy gentleman. Faff about, faff about, it's his sister. It's his sister. Faff about, faff about, her her fan is another 12-year-old girl who wants to bone the author. Faff about, there's... Another author who is constantly dressed up in... You ever known someone with the right disorders to do the whole elegant gothic Lolita thing correctly? Like, totally good on them for doing it, but this little thing pops another fucking... I think she... I want to say 13. It doesn't matter. 
Again, she she looks more like fucking Princess Peach. It, it's it's no, something not, else. Not not an EGL or no. It's that's actually I I may be short selling how much I dislike this character relative to the others. Oh, she's awful, and she keeps just fucking showing up when I least want her to be there. What's her name? Elf Yamada or something? Yeah, it's yeah, Elf Yamada. I I, I like don't, I am I already care. not enjoying this show just to begin with. And then there's these episodes, these formless fucking episodes, and we'll get to that because that's just another fucking thing we could we could bring up here. What you didn't get to, by the way, in the subsequent episodes of Arrow Manga Sensei is that another rival author is introduced who is the same character, only she's the Ray emotionless girl type. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm, I need to specifically talk about fucking Elfia Vada Sensei because sure, sure, all of them varying degrees of fucking, fucking male gazery stock personalities, but... The screechiness of the high-key Genki girl, whatever personality they give her. I hate her point. so fucking much. It's to the point. Take all that shit I said about disliking all the fucking incest pandering scenes. Every time Elf came on fucking screen, I said, go back to the incest. I'm sorry. I apologize, Arrow Manga <laughs> Sensei. Please, take me back to Lolita. Low. Low is my love. Low is my fire and my heart. Please. And she she just appears so fucking apropos of nothing sometimes. And I do want to get to the whole formless episode thing. So normally when you have a series, right, that has multiple episodes, you know, you will you will sort of craft a uh, a little, little mini arc, a little interest curve uh, for an episode. This is called a plot. There will be, you know, perhaps one larger problem to be overcome or something for the series itself. And then, you know, every episode features a smaller problem. This is the plot of the episode. Uh, It will often, sometimes there's two, you know, you get an A plot, a B plot. Uh, We don't even get an A plot in Aramanga Sensei. Things kind of just happen, and the break between one episode and another, it, it doesn't mean very much. It's just these 22-minute spans of time. Ironically, maybe irony is the wrong word, whatever, but contrary to what one might expect based on how basic the parts are, despite all the Lolita jokes, if I were to compare the structure or lack thereof of half of Aromanga Sensei to something, it would be Naked Lunch, just replace heroin with pedophilia. Just vignettes of thinking about child cooch. No, even vignettes. That would be that would be something. Fucking uh, Nietzsche Bros does vignettes. You know, they none of these episodes or none of the episodes of Nietzsche Bros actually has one overarching plot. It's just you know a series of vignettes. I mean, fucking one of my favorite shows of the last decade. Fucking Kaguya-sama does vignettes. This doesn't even do vignettes. It's just. What was what was that one knock that I had against Oran High School host? Just people in a room talking, and then another scene of people in a room talking. Uh, and, oh oh shit! Oh, it's 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 some twelve year old gooch. Okay, now it's more people in a room talking about something I could even pretend to find interesting. And it's hard to reflect the precise ratio of people in a room talking to fucking. <laughs> Un- the fucking undercrotch because we would have to interrupt every three words with the words gooch and I'm pretty sure that just gets you kicked off of fucking iTunes and I like being able to be on iTunes like most of you are kicking in from Spotify but you know having the apple on your back I have an iPhone for reasons that are increasingly beyond me right I want to keep a dead relative's text man I am really psychologically stable it's lovely folks <laughs> what the fuck was my point here it is impossible to summarize Aeromega Sensei without it using really the words is. underage crotch 13 times. And believe you me, this is not a ass man show or a tit man show. We are going directly for the folds. I really want to stress that it's not impossible to summarize Aeromega Sensei because it defies, ooh, defies explanation, defies comprehension or anything like that. Now, it's impossible to summarize because I'm just never really sure where one episode ended and the other one began. And after I'm done watching an episode, 
I can barely remember what happened in that episode. Do you kids watch Twin Peaks? Do weeaboos like Twin Peaks? If you do, just imagine that fucking moment where he says, It's happening again. (laughs) (laughs) And that is sort of the emotion as you fire up another pipe in hot serving of... Anyway, there's a reason I sort of thought coming back that this might be... Worthwhile is the wrong choice, but it might evoke a reaction in the face of everything. Which is that, in a way that I think is kind of relevant in the wake of Isekai digging down three layers into itself, and half the rom-coms in the world becoming about authors and authors of manga and the, and the like. Well, that's two-thirds. The other one-third is about one's little sister. That's just what rom-coms are these days. And there's, and there's a decent amount of overlap. I want to kind of look at Aerovanga Sensei as kind of like the silver surfer, like the herald of a miasma that sort of came to swallow things for a time. No, Oriemo is that. So I mean, what is or- this one, Fire Eater? Is it just Galactus? Is this just Galactus? Who, who's the dude who flies around on a rock? Um, Actually, no, I think it's probably just Galactus, yeah. Like this is just Mr. Purple Hat himself? The one, the only... No, I think... I want to reiterate something here. The whole, this show is morally repugnant thing, right? It is. The reason I'm not focusing on the whole morally repugnant thing so much is that A, it's a fucking given, and B, it almost feels like I'm begging the question. Uh, So I wanted to sort of take this show as it delivers itself to me and talk about why in addition to being a fucking sex crime just by existing uh, it's also just not a good show either okay let's play that angle so I think that a work comedy about making porn in any format should be fucking hilarious yeah you could do that it'd be great I feel like someone has even. Like, that. you have basically just opened the fucking dragon gate of physical comedy there. Do you know what people who produce... Okay, I mean, this is drawn porn, so they, could, they wouldn't have access to this. But you know what people who do fucking live-action porn have to do? The guys have to basically learn the ninja trick of on-camera, basically dipping their hand into a fucking jar of vaso and re-greasing mid-stroke. I'm reminded of that one fantastic David Foster Wallace essay where he talks about covering the the porn world's version of the Academy Awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did fucking Comic-Con for, uh, for like, AVN or some shit. Pretty much, yes. And how fucking side-splittingly funny it was and just how I am begging to fucking see a live-action, just a particular gag in that essay play out not even a gag it was something that really fucking happened if wallace and hunter don't oh wow we really are dudes whatever <laughs> right <laughs> if there was ever any question if reading wallace and thompson while riding around horses bare-chested teaches you anything it's that reality is full of things that can be framed as, as gags easily and well actually fuck it i get that from joan didion too yeah yeah fuck you people i'm i'm woke <laughs> I don't but yeah my <laughs> point here is that I'm not really against section shit. Prison school is one of the best things that fucking happened. It is one of the funniest, um, not just manga, but anything of all time. Sex is one of the basic units of good comedy and bad comedy. And I am sort of just fascinated at this thing's failure. It's so inept. It feels as though it can survive on the shock value alone. And I suppose it's right because people are morons. Who will, you know, declare this to be, you know, the thing that drove them insane. With what? Boredom? You know the distancing effect when you talk about, the, like, the fucking game mechanic, Isekai shit, when it just comes to, like, sort of oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, and characters? Clearly this is not real. Yeah. I think that the way this thing lives recursively within, like, niche fetish filters of sexuality kind of kills the sex comedy. Because it's, like, too many degrees off from a frame that is either insightful or relatable or just intuitively funny. I think I understand what you're saying here. It's it's I, I think if I can put it into layman's terms, it's people are too busy 
being weirded the fuck out. Yeah, people are too busy being weirded the fuck out. That's one thing. And I don't know if you can have a sex comedy that does not have a sane eye on what sex is or should be. It's like a political comedy written by a fascist. I'm just not really too sure that anyone involved in the production of the show has had sex with another human being. Not consensual sex, at the very least. I'm not accusing anyone on the production staff of Aramanga Sensei of, um, you know, anything more than creating child porn. Local podcaster accuses anime studio of human trafficking. Pizzagate for weeaboos? No, I'm just accusing them of creating child pornography, that's all. Yeah, it's a... it's a thing. I am... oddly chuffed that this sort of failed to make the smut production tag team thing funny. Mostly because I am a real easy sell on transgressive comedic concepts. Honestly, you just have them be two scumbag dudes. It's not fucking hard, that's practically all of what, you know, the first half or so of Welcome to the NHK was. Yeah, things should be a little sunnier in Philadelphia on this program. But then you couldn't do the thing at the end of the episode where his kindness and why the harem is drawn to his heart is drawn in evident detail. And she can't flutter her eyelids and say, I'm in love with someone, older brother. Fucking dude, we already know that this idiot doesn't have a fucking personality. Don't try to fucking... What's the fucking term? Piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yeah, yeah, it could really... God, I'm just imagining the Doki Doki Literature Club just got the fucking book for an episode of this. (laughs) He could turn it into some fucking thing. Again, I'm repeating myself here, but I don't know how this fucking drove people off the fucking deep end being like, Oh no, I finally understand now. I must embrace trash. I can understand how, like, domestic girlfriend or something can do that. Because it fucking, it fucking did it for me. You know, like, cats did that for me. Like, I, I know what kind of show they're talking about when they are talking about how, like, oh, this drove me fucking insane and I love it. That sort of thing. Because domestic girlfriend drove me somewhat insane and I loved it. Cats drove me absolutely fucking out of my goddamn mind and I loved it. This, no, this I just kind of... I was just kind of wondering what the fuck went wrong. They're kind of useful points of comparison to each other as they are both the trash, in theory, peaks of a season, but one of them should be burned and one of them should be in a museum with a football helmet on it. Oh, yeah. Didn't you fucking binge the rest of fucking Domestic Girlfriend? I read the rest of it. Thanks for spoiling the book report episode. And... (laughs) The thing Fuck. to understand, there's some interesting gaps. Mm-hmm. Domestic Girlfriend ultimately is by a moron who has been outside. It delivers on its promise, too. Like, it, it fucking can cash its checks. By a moron who has been outside, a moron who has wanted to sleep with an adult. He's not a fucking coward, either. A moron who can drop. The show looks bad, by the way. I know we've been talking a lot about plots and structures and morals and fucking Nabokov or whatever, but... Fuck. There's just nothing unique about Aramanga Sensei's look whatsoever. It it looks like every single other fucking light novel adaptation. I don't know if it's a light novel adaptation. Even if it's not, it is. Yeah, it's it's that look that everything has had since, like, the world God only knows... Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Give me one moment to look this up. Aramanga Sensei. Get light novel series. Fucking called it. Cue air horns. Cue air horns. I think you have a good point about Domestic Girlfriend actually living up to the idea that this is going to be a colorful series of stupid transgressions throughout. He knows which way his fucking bread is buttered. Trash! Whereas the Aramanga Sensei guy is saying nothing things about publishing that everyone can glean from reading, I don't know, four pages of Reader's Digest spelled backwards. It's not even that. It's that he's promising you trash, and you're not even getting trash. You're getting, like, trash water. 
<laughs> it's so fucking without substance. Honest to fucking God. They just keep going on. So I think when people say a show is trash, what you ideally want is essentially children throwing paint against the wall, right? Yeah, go on. Instead, Aeromanga Sensei pans between a mistranslation of an office meeting and a 12-year-old's vagina. <laughs> and it just switches between these two shots for its entire run. It fails its shock value, too. I'm not even sure how it does, but it does. I'm not sure it fails on shock value as much as it's bad in a very numbing way that makes the more transgressive elements feel flatter. Yeah, maybe I'm just so bored most of the time that, you know, every fucking time, you know, like, she lies back on her bed and her fucking, like, shirt, like, kind of foofs up. I'm just thinking, like, man, shut the fuck up. That's the reason I'm so hard on this one versus a lot of other things. Like, I think I'm a fun guy. Mm-hmm. Is that when it comes to all the sort of common traits of anime, good, bad, neutral, I think there are only two things I actually unironically hate. Like, there's a reason I can easily make a show called Weeaboo Hell or Purgatory Paradiso. Yeah. Because the only two things that will just give me negative endorphins up the wall is being fucking bored <laughs> and implicit or explicit pedophilia. And those are the only two gears in Aeromanga I mean, Sensei. Th- then this show is just tailor-made to make you hate it. In essence, and I kind of... I'm trying to like just sort of understand the animes slash A crowd who feel like this is a gift to them, like it's something made for them. Thank you for doing this for me. I swear to God, there's something better that absolutely was I, th- I think when they're talking about that they should be thinking about prison school or something yeah like something with that spark or color and there is something compared to I think something that was in Oremo a terrible show that you should not watch but was and never never ever was in it that isn't in this was I think the author almost had a feeling of, oh my god, will I just get away with putting this dumb shit out there in non-pornographic <laughs> magazines? And he is almost fascinated with his own creation that he reaches for the Dragon Gate. I like, I like wrestling a lot, whatever, Dragon Gate. But uh, I too like wrestling a lot. I like that one clip of um, Will Ospreay no-selling, uh, not Kazuchiko Okada, um, Kota Ibushi doing that fucking... Son of Moonsault, right? What the fuck is he doing? Oh, was it a, was it a Star Press? I don't remember. I'll, I'll have to look it up Star, again. I think it was a Moonsault or something like that. And he no-sells it, and then they start playing, you know, whichever JoJo theme. It could be any of them. Oh, God, I know what we're talking about. Yeah, that one, that is a beautiful match. My point here uh, yeah. is that then he comes to Arrow Manga Sensei, and he knows... He knows the gates of sin are open. He knows he can do anything. And we were just marching along another waifu gallery, but with the confidence that he does not have to entertain us on this journey. I think if this show gets points for anything, it's for not trotting them all out in front of you like show dogs in the first fucking episode. Yeah, it's way more like the fucking wrestling again, raw hotshot booking. Like two episodes will just be about a waifu. Everything is about this waifu. And then they're just fucking dropped into the background to shriek once every three minutes, but then just become mannequins. He's kind of a soul vampire in the show. And the way that I said Natsuo was, but in a less entertaining way, because there's really that soap opera vector to it, in that he can physically suck the personality out of these thin characters. Not just these characters. He can suck the personality out of this show. Like, that's the thing. This show doesn't even seem to have a voice. It's just sort of a series of images most of them kind of uncomfortable. The show is really just a loop over and over again. And it's, it's like a 15-minute plot, and then there's office scenes, and then there's 15 minutes again. Where a new yeah, I'd say that's fair. girl who is either loud or has a loud personality or or always calls him Big Brother. People other than his sister call him Big Brother in a fetishy way in this, by the way. It's a whole thing. I don't... Whatever. And they are slowly absorbed into the gelatinous ooze of the guy. And then they are just a fucking hopping vampire with a talisman on their forehead, bouncing behind him 
to collect their check, then go back to catering. I'm wondering what the fucking stateside equivalent of this weird fucking formula would be. The stateside equivalent to this is just some weird fucking R-rated comedy on FX starring fucking Pete Davidson for some reason who, you know, has some sort of job or whatever. And then just the entire fucking substance of the show is the supporting cast made up of Gigi Hadid, uh, Zoe Saldana, and Margot Robbie trotting around in lingerie calling him daddy all the time. (laughs) I think that's, that's the show that this would be in America. It is very, very, very fucking possible. Going back to him being an J author dude, right? And how it's mm-hmm. compared to some other shows we watch. Alongside more forgiveness for a domestic girlfriend, I also want to hand a few points to a show that I gave an overall positive impression of, but I sort of kicked its knees a little for just being about weebs in a very straightforward way. I kind of see a little more of what love is hard for otaku did achieve and was trying to achieve. Cause there's a sort of court, yeah. It's just can't you just be a normal fucking human being for once? Yeah, yeah, and leave your room. And that, that show has people who leave their room, get a fucking job. They're on fucking work assignments and dates and bars all the time. I appreciate a lot of that, and it's something anime has almost had trouble with since. This is probably going to be false periodization because we only get so much in print in the earlier epoch, but. I felt since around Genshiken, which sort of did a look into the weebish life well, right? Uh Uh-huh. That there has been an attempt to maybe bottle that lightning or just, hey, when we show the audience their lives in a certain way, they relate to the material more. A lot of these things that are, I guess, writing about writers, I guess the reason I hate the anime version of it so much is that it's basically the wish fulfillment version of being a weeb. Like, all of your message board time is spent crafting weeb shit. That's why I like Kakushi Goto as much as I did, because the titular character is a miserable control freak. It did did nothing to fucking lionize the mangaka character. Yeah, I'm fucking with you there, and Kakushi Goto actually had a semblance of texture and what it's like to be x type of creative person like it doesn't seem like something written either by aliens or suits or someone with their deadline in the next 17 minutes exactly and you know as far as you know shows about weebs go right you you could go in one of either directions right like like the wotokoi right it's like it's okay if you play monster hunter on your switch you know in your off hours that's totally cool they're your off hours right (laughs) That's one take. And then, you know, your other take is fucking welcome to the NHK, which is you're going to drive yourself fucking insane. None of this is healthy. Stop it. Stop it. Do something else welcome with your life. Welcome to the NHK was a fucking achievement. I, re- I really More people that need to watch that fucking show. Yeah, that might even be worth an episode in which the, the thrust of the humor might have to do some work to not just be mean-spirited and jabs at people with legitimate issues. Uh, yeah, and then there's that, too. That's a whole fucking factor in this, and, you know, I don't have a fucking psych degree. You don't have a psych degree, but if I could point you towards this one academic paper from a Samuel Lagosan, MD, entitled Isekai <laughs> Kills the Laughter, there is a cynical heart to certain productions that just sort of lionize being a piece of garbage in your room, and that is sort of the problem with the Aeromanga Sensei character in this. Like, she has... Uh, yes, certainly. A few just... From, I guess, the trauma of this death thing, she has these zany traits of always staying in a room and only wanting to bang her brother. And these are, for most of it, until they need a, a few, maybe two episodes of dramatic juice, these are cute foibles. I would sort of say that these traits are not so much lionized as much as, you know, just... As much as they are... Fetishized? It's a gender politics thing. It's a gender fucking politics thing, right? Because Izakai lionizes being a piece of shit and playing games all day. Oh no, I'm falling down all these stairs. 
I told you, bro, I told you about stairs. Whereas this does not lionize it, it fetishizes. Kind of styling up to you like a fucking Monty Python guy who nudges people. Said, you know, like, what if... What if what if your parents, you know, weren't around, right? And here's and here's this uh <laughs> you know, and she's in her room the whole time. And when she, you, you know and, and she kind of wants to, you know, you, you she never actually said, you know, anything, you know, to confirm it, but you can tell, you know, maybe she wants see, see that's what this show is doing. It's playing to that rather than the fantasy that um being good at Dragon Quest uh is heroic. It's a uh, it's it's so it's similar yes uh, but but different. Speaking of our genetic ancestor, no game, no life. I don't know why I didn't think of this until now. Don't mm-hmm. know why I didn't come up until now. This show about a detached fucking weeb ace with his tiny purple-haired live-in non-genetically related little sister. You fucking hacks. Just don't fucking insult me like this, anime. Just, uh, just I'm addressing anime in general. Don't fucking insult me. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> Motherfucker. This is even the first time I've seen this fucking design for this pseudo-waifu. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's the fucking lowly dragon from, uh, from fucking Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. This is basically the exact same character design. Like, I... Sure, maybe one of them came first. It doesn't matter. They pulled from the same ether. Oh man, it feels good to have a hanging in the public square again. Uh, Miss Kobayashi's Drag Maid was also a truly awful show, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Just, uh, I'm just you know, just thought it deserved to be said. Quick sidebar in our discussion of all this. Yeah. If we're doing the duology of blood with this and interspecies reviewers, mm-hmm. at some point we will have to do the long-awaited dissection of Korra's spore-filled corpse, right? Like, we need to figure out what happened there, right? Well, I know what happened, but, like, refreshing myself on what that is is going to require watching Legend of Korra again, which... There are a few things I want to do less than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we came into this bad thing really (laughs) expecting nothing but to... I thought we might be driven to some sort of fucking Outer Plains giguk dumb of yes i see the worth of the trash now and instead i have a a lot of office comedy bits that are sub-modern dilbert yeah and uh, instead we just fucking recorded a fucking podcast episode about it where we called it boring for an hour <laughs> go figure boring pedocore post pedocore you know what actually i find insulting is whenever this show fakes pathos <laughs> Like, it tries to tug on my heartstrings in little ways, and I I don't think I hate it more than in those moments when I'm supposed to find something sweet about this fucking 16-year-old courting his 12-year-old sister. It's a flaw really unique to this show that it tries to draw a little genuine human emotion from a shot that implies he is looking down his little sister's shirt, right? I'm looking at this fucking... Uh, Tsukasa Fushimi is the guy's name, and I'm on his fucking Wikipedia page, and I, I'm i just looking for... What? Prison history? I'm looking for the, the tab, you know, uh, on his page that says controversies, and it doesn't exist, and I don't fucking believe that's true. <laughs> well, I guess he's not the grandest sinner of all time on this front, which I maintain is the madame who made fucking bunny drop. Oh, man. That was a long con. That was historic. I don't know. I used to have a stand-up bit about it. Maybe I'll record it for you people at some point. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation for two weeks, you know, starting, you know, a little bit more than a week from now. So if, if that is a... Uh... If that's the windmill you want to tilt while I'm gone, then it's a pretty it's a pretty fucking good one. Oh my god, it's going to be the Denard show. I'm going to burn this shit to the ground. You're going to come back to oh, cinders. Man. We're both going to be canceled. Can I get Joe Rogan on this thing? <laughs> oh man, so much potential, so much potential. I might just interview a homeless man. Like, not about anime, just 
just really turning his pain into content, you know? You could try to direct the conversation. I feel like you're not, like, that's probably not going to be what ends up happening. <laughs> it's very possible. It might be hard to get him out of the living room. <laughs> I think I ultimately, weirdly enough, have to sort of disagree with your assessment that this is the worst anime of the 2010s. Because I know that once I'm done recording this episode with you, right? I'm just never going to fucking think about it again. Not because I'm forcing myself not to, but because it gave me no reason to do so. It shares this fate, you know, with dozens of other anime that I've watched you know, throughout the 2010s. The only thing special about this show is that you know, it's for sex criminals. So that's real bad right there, certainly. And you know, what's his fucking name? Sukasha uh, Fushimi should probably go to sex jail. It's very possible. but It might be his home. The ending of his fucking Disney I Want song should be him looking gently into the distance at fucking Sing Sing. No, from fucking Sing Sing. <laughs> for my part, I am going to plant myself by the tree of truth. I watched a lot of weeaboo nonsense in the last decade. This one is just really attuned to the specific things I dislike about media, about certain types of writing, about certain types of marketing, and by certain types I mean child gooch. I feel like Conception was worse, dude. <laughs> to me, Conception was worse. Conception was barely animated. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a minimum budget to qualify for my fucking list, conception, okay. What was the other one? My sister, my writer, or something like that? What was that? Which was just. What was the one that my was sister, this? My, except my sister, my writer, yeah, which was yeah. just this with yeah. less money. Like, you have driven cars <laughs> that cost more than fucking conception costs to make. <laughs> I think the most expensive car I've ever driven. I think I borrowed someone's SUV once. You know, it was like a mid-range SUV. If Conception counts like fucking flip animations in the corner of a Japanese student's notebook fucking count, okay? I don't know. If we're moving the goalposts like this, then what's even the point of having the list anymore? The list is its own endeavor, Sam. It creates its own purpose, much like human life. Unlike Aromanga Sensei, which is not generated to Human purpose. life also created this. <laughs> Well, fine. I don't know. Go fucking dark side then. Life equals death equals destruction equals false hope equals Born dark in side. ignorance, etc., etc. Etc., etc. equals Arrow Manga Sensei. I had a lot of fun kicking this dog on the side of the road. If I had a little trouble in this episode, it's just the fact that I think my original Arrow Manga Sensei rant is one of my better pieces of work. I didn't want to exactly repeat myself. That's there fair. is a version of this episode where I just do the Ingve Mom's theme song thing, and you're like, oh, this is sort of like that other song he did, but now it's in G. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy me doing a slow song in E, and talking about the weird office comedy embedded in this thing, in which a girl wastes a Cintiq. Man, it's it's like a really nice one, too. Morgan just got a Cintiq. I think it's either a similar model or, even, or an even more expensive one, and I'm just wondering... Where's the fucking money coming from? Because, like, she, she's published or something? I, I can't even tell. They are critically acclaimed porn authors, though not popular successes, according to the program. This allows him to be an underdog, but look down on other characters. I'm not going to give this show the satisfaction of becoming Dr. Manhattan Sam right now. It doesn't get to have that from me. <laughs> So I'm just going to say, that's fucking horseshit. That'll be the final honor we withhold from it. In terms of a uh, worst of the 2020s, interspecies of viewers right out the fucking gate, right? And I guess that's the first thing we're doing when you come back. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm sorry because whatever version of Dr. Manhandam or irony poisoning that allows me to swim through that water relatively unscathed, you just... I watch you become a smaller, shrunken creature. There's parts of me. Parts of me that used to feel things that don't anymore, yeah. 
Life is like that sometimes. Life is like that sometimes. By the way, I'd like to thank our special sponsors for this episode. The New York Special Victims Unit. An elite squad of detectives that <laughs> investigate sexually related crimes within the five boroughs of New York. But still, hug 12. But still, hug 12. It is I, Denard Dale. It is I, Sam Legault. Thank you for listening to Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. If you like this nonsense, you can find more of it on the fucking streaming platform of your choice. Most of it on YouTube. I'll upload the rest eventually. Get off my dick. <laughs> you can find it on weeaboohell.com, which is spelled W-E-E-A-B-O-O-H-E-L-L.com. There is a Twitter that we never update, but you should follow us anyway, at WeabooHell. Oh, it's that, I, I, I deleted Twitter. That's why we never update it. I, I can't fucking be on Twitter anymore. That's fair. That's fair. I think I put a one-liner up there at yesterday's just so that it doesn't look fucking defunct. All right, there, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, you, you have it again. It was, uh, it was nice while it lasted while I had it, but I don't want it anymore. I believe there is also an Instagram that is sort of dual synced to my fucking account where I run ads from this from because I'm a very efficient person. We deeply appreciate you listening to us. Thank you for thinking that we are either interesting, funny, or you're just assuming we're beautiful behind the voices. I am Sam's Kenley. And uh, thank you for your patronage. I think that anime sucks and that if you like anime, fuck you. We are back to normal. Peace out. You know, sitting here at 6 a.m., I can't help but muse about how people that edit podcast episodes are just better, smarter, sexier people than their other halves.